Yo, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy So So, in case you ain't know so. And welcome back to another episode of Sports with So So. Coming to you live from CIC Miami, y'all. This week, another dope episode. We're talking Heat, Panthers, Dolphins, Canes, all winning. And oh, yeah, we got a special guest, friend of the show, joining us to talk some MMA. It's time to take a ride, y'all. Let's go. Chill out with the pizza mañana, dog. The Why? Heat. It's just I've been abusing it. I've yeah, been yeah. I've been you been going it on the pizza. I've been abusing it, but thankfully, I, you know, I, I'm starting my training for the half marathon. I'm gonna run later on in February. Oh, okay. I didn't know you were doing that. You know me, dog. I say doing big things, man. Nah. Um, my soon-to-be wife actually pushed me to do it. She was like, "Yo, let's go. We run all the time. Like, why not just try something different?" And that's what that, we're gonna do, man. That 13.2 miles. 13.5. I 13.5 think. 13.5 is a lot. But I'm out there running it. No, it's thirteen point one. I want to say it's a it's a long number. I think what's the marathon? The marathon is twenty six point two, right? I think I think it's twenty six point four. If we're talking, so then it would be point two, right? Thirteen point two. All right. Well, still, I mean, that's a lot more than, yeah, than I care to I, even I get think to about burn running. off the pizza manana because I'm doing the <laughs> training for the run. I can't imagine what your prep looks like in between nah. eating pizza and, and jogging. Nah. Like <laughs> a lot of stretching. It's a lot yeah. of stretching, dog. I bet. No doubt, man. Stretching that stomach. What's yeah. up, so? I'm in the building, man. You're in the building. We're here yes, to do this. Uh, episode 61 is off and anything, running. Anything we got to promote? Anything we got to plug right uh, now? Let's see. Uh, Empire, right? We got to shout out Empire. Shout out they're, Empire. They're always look, hooking us up. 365 flag football. Flag football. Always doing a thing. You know, if you need to watch your boy so-so in action and see my dog, Joel, making some incredible catches, you got to go know. out there on a Thursday and check your boys out. Just uh, try to do my part out there. Yeah, um, it's not easy. Yeah, it's definitely it's, it's not easy. Not easy. It's, not at uh, this age, man. We got growing pains, but we'll, we'll figure them out. We'll figure them out. Let's man. see what else is going on in the world. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a great freaking weekend for Miami sports. Oh yeah, probably <laughs> the best weekend we've had like in, in months. Yeah, bro. In months. Boy, bro. do we need this? And we got so we got great weather. Great weather. Right great weather. Now. The weather it, dropped. It's amazing. We it's got amazing. Daylight savings time is over, so we're back to regular schedule programming, and it's Correct. getting dark at. Four o'clock in the afternoon. Right. So it's pitch black right now outside. Yep. But man, I mean, all the, I think that's, that's what it got everybody in the mood to go out there and perform and win this week. Bro, it's, it's like the stars all aligned, right? And like, we got everything in one shot. The weather, the great time. And it wasn't even like really brick cold with raining. No, no, no. It was nice. The sun was out. It was breezy. People were jogging. It was weird because Friday was ugly. Friday, Friday was, was the ugly. worst day. And everybody was yeah. like, this is going to ruin the weekend. No. And then Saturday, Sunday came around and it was beautiful. Perfect. And, it, it actually worked out for the Canes and the Heat, you know. Both of those guys were playing at home. Um, they got dubs. And then going into Not Sunday. the Dolphins, too. Yeah, going into Sunday, it was like, man, are we going to get the trifecta here? You know, the Panthers win, Canes win, uh, Heat win, and then the Dolphins pulled out a, a win, and it was like, wait a second. When was the last time, like, this happened? And this probably didn't ha- hasn't happened since, like, week one. Because if you think about it, that's when... That's the only time the Dolphins won. The Dolphins won, right? <laughs> Canes won that weekend, too. The Heat weren't playing yet. Not yet, but they uh, won still. But they were winning, you know? And <laughs> it was just crazy, man. It was a crazy weekend for Miami sports because, again, everything lined up for everybody, especially for the Miami Heat. They continue their hot streak. They're 7-2 and two now on the season. Um, freaking going crazy on their current road streak. 
we talked about it in like two episodes ago where it was like, all right, they have this 10-game stretch coming up. Mm-hmm. How are they going to yep. be able to respond? Are they going to win? We talked about how many games they were winning that stretch. Correct. And I had them winning at least, what, five? I think we, have, we both agreed you that they would like win four. like seven out of the ten. Right. You, you were like six. It was f- the, question, the big question was the road games. The road games. Now, all we've done on the road is win. We went to Brooklyn, we won. We went to Memphis, we won. We went to Dallas, and we won. Now we're facing an, a huge West Coast trip because we have the Denver Nuggets. As we record, record this episode Which right is Monday now. night, right? Then we play the Lakers later on this week, the Clippers later on this week, and then we wrap up the road trip with Utah yep. and, um, and OKC after that. So five games straight on the road for this Heat team who's been playing really well both on the road and at home. Now, you look at some of the games, and you're like, damn, this game maybe was a little bit too close to comfort. But they always seem to find a way to pull away from from bad teams, right, and and get that separation where it's like, all right, we're not going to mess up our point differential. We're going to create that margin of victory and win by 8, 9, 10 points, 7 points. The only close game in that stretch of games that we've played was that Utah Jazz game where we only won by three points. It kind of got down to the end. We uh-huh. was like, all right, we got to hit some free throws and whatnot. And even still, we were in control pretty much for that whole game. We went into the fourth and even into the, as the game finished in the last three, four minutes with a comfortable lead, right? And that he found a way to keep that lead. And I was talking with a coworker and I was like, man, last year, we saw that the Heat weren't winning games like that, right? right. Where if they had a lead and they started to give it up or it, it got closer into crunch time, that they were losing those one to two point games and stuff like that. Now they're on the other yeah, side. Well, a of lot that. of the times we were we were playing as a second half team where we were last yeah. year, right? We we were stagnant in the beginning and then we would tr- we would start battling back at the end and sometimes we would, you know, be able to get the dub, but a lot of the times it was just too far behind yeah. to make up ground. Yeah. And now now we have that that ability and uh the players that can continue to have that momentum week in, week out, game yep. in, game out, and, and really keep the heat like, I don't know how to say it, bro. I'm running out of freaking adjectives. No, we're, but we're, we're, these guys are literally <laughs> firing on all cylinders, dog. Yeah. Like, everybody on the squad. We, we we look like we're in playoff form, right? Correct. Or maybe not playoff form, mid-season but mid-season form, form would be fair to least. say. To I mean, say the and least. It's, we're, only, we're only in the third week of, of, of basketball here. Correct. So, last time we got together uh, was last Monday, right? Right. So, talk to me. What were the games that we've missed? So, that we can kind of recap some highlights on some of them. I know the game I do want to talk about. There's only one game in particular that I want right. to talk about with you. And, unfortunately, it's not one of our wins. No, we had we had the loss against the Celtics. Um, and that's before, the one I want to get into in a second. But but before that, we had wins wins on the road at Dallas and win another win on the road against Memphis. Where so we blew them out at both games, right? Yeah. Both that, games. That Dallas game, I was, you know. And, blew them out. With both. With the Memphis game, you got John Morant, right? right? There's been the talks with Tyler Hero saying that he wants to be in, in that, that same, category right. with John Morant, Luca, and and Trey. And then well, you go play Luca the next the next he's game. He's gotten to play two out of the three already. And he goes out there and plays really well because Tyler's been averaging 22.8 points on the road this year. So it's not like he's that home f- court cooking. Right, right. No, no, no. He's, he's producing everywhere. And I love it because he's, he's picking his shots. He's being a lot smarter about what he's doing, like his pull-up right now. Because mm. he has that three-point threat, right? right? So he makes a couple on him, and now they have to they have to guard that. So then he, he's being a lot smarter this year instead of forcing it and taking a bad three. No, he's, he's taking it you know, on the dribble, taking one step, and, and then pulling up from the elbow. Or even finishing at the rim, or right? Or going strong to the rim. Which, um, is, which is obviously a plus for him because 
he is a great free throw shooter. So him getting to the rim and drawing those fouls and that contact and getting the other team in trouble uh, as far as who's guarding him, right, and who has the fouls to guard him, that just makes him even more dangerous. And I feel like every time he comes into the game, the the homie's in attack mode. Yep. Like, he comes in and he's like, well, here comes six shots and they're all going to be good and I'm going to get my 10 points quick. Because for him to be averaging that many points, 21 points off, off the, the bench, bench, it's like not only is he scoring a lot, right, obviously, but it's how he's scoring because he's being efficient with the shots that he's putting up and the time that he's playing in, right? He's not playing a full game of minutes. He's he's only getting limited amount of minutes in sparing parts. So it's like, hey, come in for six minutes, turn it up, we're going to take you out, chill for two I minutes, and curious. then turn it back up. I would be curious to look up. I don't know if this is even a stat. You know they can make a stat out of anything. Out of anything. But I would like to see how soon after he checks into the game off the bench is he, on average, scoring that first bucket. Because mm. I feel like as soon as he gets in the game, every game, He's the one who has to shoot first. And he gets a bucket on that opening possession. I and feel like he. I feel like almost every time. No, and which is which is great. It's amazing. And uh, again, that credits Spo because he's like, I gotta feed the hot hand. So when we get in here, and, and I put this kid in here, we're gonna run three, four, five plays for him, like off rip, and we're gonna let the team, the defense, react to that and see what they want to do against here, and be like, all right, this is how we're gonna attack them, or at least how we're gonna game plan for them. Everything that, that the Heat have done so far offensively has matched that defensive intensity that we're known for, right? So we've always been known for our defense, and this year our defense is out of this world, man. Um, I looked it up today. The number one in uh, in defensive, allowing up uh, opponents points in the paint. So these guys are locking down the, the paint, number one team in the, in the NBA. Number one, when it comes to defensive rebounding percentages, they're number four overall in defensive rebounds. Yeah. So that means that our percentages of the misses, ninth, like that high-ass number is going to the heat. Mm-hmm. So we're rebounding defensively. Um, third in rebounding, like I said. Uh, we're even fourth in defensive rating overall. Like So that comes with defending the three-point line, defending the, the mid-range, defending the paint. All of that collectively, we're number three or four. Now, when you usually look at that for a Heat team, you're like, okay, well, that's a playoff team, but how good can that playoff team be, right? When I when you match the offensive stats to that, where these guys are third in offensive rating, fourth when it comes to truce percentage, you know, not even top 10 yet in, t- in three-point percentage because of how Duncan hasn't really that gotten off to a, start, a, that yeah. hot start that we're, we're used to seeing. Right, and he's the one that's going to pad that stat. And that's something that's going to come as the games go on. You just see that balanced balance that this team has and how much that equates into their success. You know what I mean? So per- perfect. I'm glad you're mentioning all this because you're teeing it up just just great for me. We do have all this balance and depth and, and experience and, and, and chemistry as a team. Why do we lose games like the ones that we lost against the Celtics the other night and also that what the second game of the season, third game of the season that we lost to... When we, uh, lost, when we lost to, um, I had it here for a sec. But I yeah, like I don't know why I'm thinking Orlando. It wasn't Orlando. No, no, no. It wasn't. Um, Orlando. It was the Pacers. Um, the Pacers, correct. You know what I mean. When you look at those two games, teams that we should be handling in the East. When you look at those two games, specifically the game against the Celtics, right? Because um, we, we can look at the first game and say Lowry was out, right? Right. 
So that 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 could be attributed to that, but yeah, we but had this, Lowry for the Celtics but this, game. Yeah, but this game we we just didn't have it offensively. This is one of those nights where the law of averages catches up. Just, with just an off night. Yeah, for sure. Take it as for sure because look, you bounce back the next night and you go out there and handle the Jazz. You don't beat them, you handle them. Yeah, the game got close in the end, right? Because it was they started to come back. Obviously, John Moran is uh, not Moran Mitchell. Murray. Or Mitchell, Donovan no, Mitchell, sorry. Donovan Mitchell. He, he's a beast. You know what I mean? So, obviously, you're not going to just stop them and, and whoop them by 20 right. at home. But they bounce back and get that dub against a tough team and do it, like I said, handedly. Against the Celtics, we were in that a Struggling game. Celtics. Struggling. No, well, not really because they had that game in Orlando where before that game, they had that players-only meeting and shit. They ended up coming out that next that night and whooping Orlando and really taking it to them. And then they have all of that momentum heading down south where they just had a players meeting. They beat a team in Orlando. They're like, okay, let's keep this rolling. And they even they came out and had a bad game because it's not like they whooped us up either. That's, game, that's, that's my point of it all. The game, no, but, but understand <laughs> this. Like we beat game, ourselves that game. We beat ourselves more than they beat us. Right. Because even in that first quarter, we shot terrible. We shot terrible we in the first up, quarter. We, we put up 46 score, points in a quarter this year already. Yeah. And that half, I think we only had 38 points in that first half of that game. And and most of them came in the in the first quarter because we only yes. scored 13 points in that second quarter. Exactly. exactly. So, so that's, that's us not, off. That's, not, that's not them d us up. That's us being right. off. And that's going to happen, dog. Over an 82-game stretch, like, that's going to happen. We can't look at those losses and be like, ah, Beat that. ourselves up over and beat, Yeah, or even look at them and be like, damn, dog, but we're going to be suspect as hell against the Celtics. Like, eh, you know, the Celtics are trying too, right? I mean, every NBA team is. It's, it's an NBA. Season. You're going to beat You know, teams. we see the OKC already, uh, the youngest team in the league. Go out there and the beat Lakers, the Lakers. The oldest team in the league twice already. Exactly. You know, this early in the season. So it's, it's bound to happen. But those are, you know, obviously when we're winning, that's what I'm looking at. When we lose, why are we losing? Yeah. You know, the first For, one, it was a Lowry. Okay, if Lowry's out, that's big because we need to make sure he's healthy. And the other day, he kind of had a little right. scare. Yeah, so but I he bounced already, back. As soon as I see Lowry go down, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, every, Everything and, clenches up. <laughs> you and, and the rest of South Florida is like, uh, don't get hurt. You, we need you, bro. You know? We need you. Um, and, but, but I feel you. And, and look, to point out that loss, something that troubles me about that Boston loss is that it was at home, right? So now we're at home and we took that L. Now we're down in that series pretty much because we got to play them two more times, right? Yeah. And now we got to go to Boston, beat them, and then come back home and, and beat them here. Let's see how how it goes. But I, I was really focused on this game with Denver because the again the road stats for this team is incredible, and they're three and zero against the Western we're play, Conference. We're playing teams. over there, which right. for what it's worth, you're playing at elevation, right? But, so, but which but always still, takes a toll on any any professional sports team going into that. But at least it's the first part game of the country. Right, it's the first game of the road trip, and hopefully they can get that out of the way and and just really come away with a good solid win. Like I was saying, uh, twenty two point eight points for Tyler Hero on the on the road. Butler twenty one point five. Bam twenty one. And even defensively, rebounding six and six point eight for Hero, seven point eight for Butler, twelve point seven for Bam. All road stats. So this is specifically on the road. That's the key to success. And and if the Heat can play between those three guys and have them even close to that, forget about what everybody else adds. That's just going to be the recipe for a dub. And if those guys get off tonight, like I think they're going to be able to get some shots off, we're going to get this dub and there's going to be more pizza mañana. That's what we want, baby. That's pizza what we mañana. need, man. Pizza mañana. So let's see what happens with the Heat. We're going to be watching tonight. And I don't know. You guys are definitely tuning in to see whether or not they won. 
Um, another team that I'm keeping an eye on right now is the Florida Panthers. They're currently down. They're to, the Miami Heat of hockey. They're the Miami Heat of hockey, bro. 10-0-1. <laughs> um, and, and honestly, we got to give them the big horn shout out because they just broke <laughs> some history. They just matched an NHL record, best 11-game start to the season, right? They stopped Carolina from having one of the best starts to the season where they would have been 10-0-0, right? We gave them their first loss, so they're 9-1. and um, And more importantly, we tied the 94-95 Pittsburgh Penguins, 06-07 Buffalo Sabres, as the other NHL teams to reach 21 points in 11 games. That's just straight dubs. That's straight crazy. dubs. That's crazy. Because you get a two points for a win, so it's... 10 points, uh, 10 dubs times 2, that's 20, and then you get the one draw. We would have been 22 had we right, won right. that game, which is crazy to think Sheesh. that. And they're also the first, that was the first NHL game between uh, Carolina and the Panthers that had two teams with season opening point streaks. Because, again, they were 9-0, and right? We were 10-0, and and it was like, well, shit, this never happened Something's before. Give. And, damn it, the Carolina Hurricanes gave way because we came out there and smacked them and literally smacked them. We put up four goals in the first period and really set the tone for the game. You know, Anthony Duclair, he had two goals and two assists in that game. Um, Barkoff missed the game. And so it was kind of like, a, damn, are these guys going to be able to get it done without the captain? But everybody showed up and put their skates on for the Panthers that night because yep. they they it was literally a team win. Uh, Spencer Knight ended up with 28 saves. Um, we ended up winning the game 5-2. They had a goal in the second. We scored a goal in the second. They put a goal in, in the so, third to make it a little bit tight. But then Anthony Duclair got his second goal, put it away with an empty netter. If, if these first tight 11 games of the season are any kind of indicator or microcosm to the rest of the season, uh-huh. it, it – the future looks very bright for the Florida Panthers because in the last two weeks, they've lost their head coach yep. <clears throat> to some off-the-ice issues where he was forced to resign, essentially. Right. And they bounce back, and they get a dub that, like, that night with the new interim coach. Um, and then they, they're out, Barkov, in this one of the, you know, the biggest games so far of the season. Facts. Against and, a really quality opponent in Carolina yep. Hurricanes. And they show up in this fashion. You know what I mean? So what does that tell you? You know, backs against the wall. You know, they're, if, they're, if they're a man down, if they're a coach down, this team right here is special. They still have enough pieces around the team that they're going to be able to fight night in and night out. Extremely resilient. Extremely, extremely resilient. Um, because, like you said, they've dealt with so many stuff off the ice, and they've been able to maintain that focus at a high enough level where they can continue to produce on the ice. And that's ultimately what people care about, right? They're going to care about, hey, how well are you playing? Are you winning games? Are you scoring goals? Are you stopping other teams from scoring? And to, to their credit, they've been able to handle all of that in stride and keep on winning. Now, they're currently down right now at the end of first interim uh, period. Two zip to the New York Rangers, who aren't a, a whack team. They're they're a top eight, top ten team. They're um, coming off a bad season last year, but they, they made some moves in the, this off season. And the Rangers are, are a historic franchise in the NHL. They're supposed to be absolutely. a good team. So last year was kind of weird for them. They really try to come out and prove something this year. And, and right and, now they're leading us two zero early in this game. And look to your point, they even <clears throat> they even made a, improvements on what they were lacking defensively last year. They made a trade for Sammy Blyce. Yep. Uh, he comes into the Rangers 
Rodgers gets another first offseason with these guys really able to set everybody up defensively and bring that level of defense up, and it's showing. They've won six games. Um, three of the games that they've lost have been to top contenders in the East and West, so it's not like this New York Rangers team is a slouch by any chance. Uh, they have a really good goalie, really good defenseman, and right now they're stopping everything that the Panthers have thrown in them because I think they have over 12 shots in this one period, yep. which is crazy. We're like eight of them on goal. Uh, so, this is going to be dope. I mean, I, be I, I hate game. watching – games or content as we were doing this because of the fact that I'm like either paying attention to that or pay attention to what we're doing. Right. I, I like getting it all at the end and getting the notification. But what would you say is the equivalent for for the Panthers that the Heat have with Pizza by Ghana? If there was one thing that you would get, you know, what company should sponsor the Panthers to be like, this? Is, if they win, this is what we're going to give you guys tomorrow. I feel like since we're in South Florida, right, it has to be something about Ice cold. I'm leaning towards ice cream. What, what? Which one in particular? What are you thinking? I'm thinking. There's maybe? two. There's two in particular that I, that I right away went to. Hit me with one of them. Carvo. Ah, I was thinking a little bit more like Ben and Jerry's. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Give them their own Something. flavor, right? Yeah. Like, hey, this is Florida Panthers. Rats on the ice hockey. Yo, you know, clip it. Uh, Write that down. We gotta get it. We gotta get it. I don't even that. want the half, Florida Panthers. Just give me. I just the, want the ice cream. Just give me two buckets of the ice cream. Five <laughs> percent that me and Joel can split, and we'll call it even. And right we'll there, do. There. We'll do hashtag helado mañana. Helado mañana for the Panthers. What? Let's go, dog. Bro, I think we're on to something. I'm here. telling you, we're gonna get this Panthers train moving I like that. by sheer force, dog. I like These guys that. are gonna do the winning on the ice, and we're gonna continue to push this team forward because. It's like you said, bro. They're the the NHL version of the Heat for us right now. They're, not only have they gotten off to a great start, but they really built that team to compete to win a championship. And we're seeing it develop. They were close game last in, game year. Out. They were close. Ran into a buzzsaw. It happens. The ultimate, the eventual buzzsaw. Those guys have won multiple championships. So yep. They know what they're doing up there in Tampa when it comes to hockey. But we're we're getting to that cusp right now where. The Panthers are, are a real force to be reckoned with in the NHL, and we're, we should all be here for the ride, dog. I feel like it's a great ride to have the Panthers and the Heat both kicking ass at the same time and being dominant. Bro, what else yeah, do you want if, in sports? If you're, not, if you're not a fan of the sport, right. okay, at least be a fan of, of your geography. All right, If you're going to put all this time Home and team, effort babe. rooting for teams that don't win, you know, like a certain mammal with a – Loho that I won't mention right no, now. We're going to talk about. We it will because right you know we won this week. But if you're going to put all that time and effort rooting for them and they disappoint us more often than not, at least don't even put any time and energy. Just just root for the Panthers because right. they're they're right now they're up there with the Heat as far as what they're bringing to the to the fan experience. Entertainment, bro. If if you look if you're looking for entertainment, yeah. right? If you're looking for entertainment, then you don't have to go farther than the Heat and the Panthers. Yeah. They're putting a product on the field, right, or on, on the, the ice, ice or whatever on the hardwood. On the hardwood, right? <laughs> They're producing a, a a product that is winning. They're producing a product that has big names, right? People you can recognize, right? They're doing their most as far as social media goes to interact with their fans, right? Heat doing the crazy jerseys, the interaction with the fans at the stadium. Same thing with the Panthers. They're doing, they're going nuts on Instagram, giving you uh, behind the scenes of the training and the practice and how these guys get along and on the plane. Right. They're doing all of that to encourage the the interaction between their fans and the the fan base that they're trying to not only build but maintain. And if you're looking for all of these things. 
Bro, you got two winners right here. You don't have to be a fan of, of hockey. You don't have to be a fan of basketball to look at the Heat and be like, yeah, I could watch that with some friends and some drinks. Same thing with the Panthers. Yeah, I could watch that with some friends and some drinks. I may not know what's going on, but it's entertaining. I know the team that I'm that I'm rooting for is going to be winning, right? right? Most cases, they're not. So why not? I, why absolutely. not get behind these guys? And I, I'm still trying to get that hockey jersey. There's just yeah, way too many jerseys I need to get. I'm, I'm the, the Heat one is growing on me, so I got to get one yeah, of those. You see? It's growing see? on me now. I know it was. And, uh, and, I mean, after I saw Soldier Boy with his, I'm like, I got to get, gotta get one. I gotta, if Soldier has Boy, one. Come on now. If Soldier has one, I got to get one. And look, you know, for the Panthers, they got a good stretch of games coming up. They're going to be on the Road just like the pant, just like the Heat are. They got a four game stretch starting tonight against uh, New York Rangers. We'll see if they win this game. Then again against New Jersey, Pittsburgh, and then coming back home against Tampa Bay. So a tough four game stretch for the Panthers. And yep. I th- again, I'm expecting them to win at least two games, at least two games out of this. Yeah, not necessarily lose two games, but at least win two games. And stay atop, <laughs> stay atop in the uh, in the division and in the league. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now it's time to talk about. That other team that surprisingly won. Mm. Well, I don't know if it was so much I think of a surprise. It was. I think you it really was. thought the Dolphins were going to lose to the Texans at home, bro. I put, I bet if we put a poll out, I bet if we put a poll out, it's going it to be 50 yeah. at the probably, very least, probably at the very yeah, least. Yeah, it's fool me once, you know. Shame on me. But <clears throat> I mean, there's but, not much to talk about in this game. It was a win against, you know, it was the two worst teams in the NFL playing. Uh, or attempting to play football against each other. Attempting to um, play football is correct. Yeah, we all know what's going on with the Texans. It's funny because this was, I mean, with everything going on with Deshaun Watson and the speculation and the rumors so and stuff weird. like that. And then, you know, the Dolphins got to play them now. So uh, How weird was that, Doc? How awkward is that? Because you know, like, that sometimes yeah. the owners fly in, the GM flies in to see the game and shit. Well, the weirder thing about it all was that Tua was basically at the last second pulled from the game for, last I can't even scratch. remember, something with his hand or finger. It has something finger. to do with his index finger yeah. and, or, like, his middle finger with the throwing motion. Because I heard Brian Flores try to explain it after the game, and he was like, well... You know, it's about how Tua is able to throw and how far he's able to throw with the injury. And it's I don't like, know. that's a weird to be like right before the game that happens, and then you know this is coming after last. You know, after the trade deadline, when Chris Gear was like, "Yeah, well, we were just testing the waters, but Tua's oh. our guy." Oh. And then they pull Tua last, literally last minute. Didn't show up on the injury report all week. They pull him last second. Jacoby's now the starter. We get the notification like an hour before kickoff, and it's like, oh, great. You know, as if things weren't bad enough already. Here we go again. You know, and, and even weirder. Then that was Jacoby coming out saying like, oh, yeah, you know, we had talked about it Tuesday or Wednesday that, you know, it was a potential that he may not go and all that stuff. I didn't hear and it was about like, that. Damn, so this dude was like, was he prepping? Was Tua prepping? Who was taking the first team snaps? Like, I didn't hear so much about it, but it was it was very confusing, right? It was very confusing. And look, ultimately, the Dolphins won 17-9, right? We beat 1-18 now in Houston, which is, like Joel said, one of the worst teams in the NFL, just kind of like we are, one of the worst teams in the NFL. And it was really a battle of the bad quarterbacks, right? We had Tyrod Taylor versus Jacoby Brissett. Both of those guys had multiple INTs. Ty- Tyrod Taylor threw three INTs. Um some forced, obviously, by the defensive line, but we saw Holland get his first interception yep. as a as a rookie. Shout and, out to the rook, you know, third game that he's third game in a row that he starts starting and he starting back off. there, yeah, and, yeah and in the end zone, you know, they were in the red zone uh, going for it, and he, he ended up just picking it off. To, so shout out to him. And believe it or not, bro, that type of little stuff really builds the momentum for a, a young player like himself, Absolutely. right? And like, like a little bit of belief to be like, yeah, I can I do this. Here. I belong here, yeah. right? 
Of yeah. course. Um, and what else? Another highlight. My dog, Miles Gaskin. Bro, I was just about to touchdown re- of the year. In, 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 in week nine. In the Wildcat formation, they pulled Jacoby off the field. Gaskin drops back at quarterback, takes the direct snap, and rushes it in. I mean, I didn't think it was going to happen like that or at this point in the season. It was, was going to happen way sooner, but I'm happy it happened. I'm, I'm happy it happened for him. Yeah, he got the absolutely. freaking opportunity. Absolutely. And what, 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 what I remember about Sunday watching that was seeing Jacoby's sourpuss face on the sideline when they brought him out for that play, like, and they scored a touchdown. You can kind of tell, like, he was like, damn. You know, I wanted to be in there for a touchdown. I'm like, motherfucker, <laughs> you you barely in there for a play. You you're you're in there for everything else. You want to be in there for a touchdown too? Like, come on, man. Um, let this dude have a shine. And and it was nice to see him get those carries, right? He finally got 20 carries, but we couldn't run against a team that is usually really bad against the run. 20 carries, 34 yards, one touchdown. Like, And, and to me, I mean, there was a couple times where I saw Gaskin kind of take the wrong hole, which, you know, that to me is a concern as you're running back. It's like you, you need to see the hole. You need to see the gap. Have that vision. And there was a couple times where he could have bounced it out and he chose the wrong gap and yep. got stuffed. Um, but all around, I think he had a you know an okay performance all around. There was um, there Gusecki, was only two Gusecki had a, Yeah, Gasecki and Waddle. That's uh, it. Gusecki had a couple one handed grabs. You know, obviously we know what he can do with his size and 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 um, and his hands. Um, Give that guy a contract. And then he Waddle, man, it. Waddle is the, the shining light on this team. Yeah. When all else fails, just go to Waddle. Yeah. He's yeah. he's literally the most play, most fun player to watch. If you're a Dolphin, hardcore Dolphins fan and you had to buy a jersey this year, you wouldn't go wrong picking Waddle. No, because absolutely not. that guy's going to be here for a while. He's obviously really uh, hopefully. good. Hopefully. He's, well, you know, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But yeah. he's, he's good right now, right? He's the best thing we have probably offensively or at least one of the biggest threats. And, you know, same thing for Gasecki, bro. He, he continues to have these games, right, where he'll show out offensively. Um, but, bro, I can't help but notice, like, at least two plays where it's a running play and he's, he's on that line. And I'm like, oh, he's not really going to block anybody. And sure enough, he don't block nobody. And then we end up getting, like, That's two fine, yards on dude. that carry. But I'm like, ah, you can kind of let that go when you're making big catches. And yeah, I get put, that. put Smythe in there. But you know what? If, 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 that's <laughs> the case, if that's the case, why not just line them up outside, dog? Why not just line them up? You know what I'm saying? Like, even if you line them up out there and you have them in motion to come – and lock in as a tight end, right? To give them that illusion or right. whatever. Just just play with the with the positioning that you have with that guy. Don't just line him up and, and expect him to freaking block somebody just for the sake of him blocking somebody. Well, we know he can't block. He can make great catches, right? <laughs> so let's let him do more of that. Uh, right? I just I'd rather just see him make more catches. I just uh, rather see him make more catches too, dog. And, and well, let me ask you a question though. Um, but I will say this: I wasn't impressed with the win. Uh, no, I don't think anybody was. I don't All think right. it's you know, but obviously a win's a win. You know what a I mean? It's like, win. hey, the Dolphins won. All right, it's just it's a week now where, um, you know, where we didn't lose, right? Weird. Um, which we saw. I saw a meme because the Lions didn't play this week, and I saw a meme that was like the Lions lost to the bye week or whatever. Like, it's like <laughs> yet another L, which that sucks, bro. It's like that's at least there's the Lions. You know what I mean? Like at we have the Lions, the Lions to look forward to. And, and, um, and look, and it's but, not even enough to go ahead. Well, and I wanted to ask you was so Dan Campbell. Shout uh-huh. out Dan Campbell, who used to be uh, you know part of the Dolphins coaching staff a while back. 
Um, and he was our interim coach for like a game or two, remember? I don't yeah. know if you remember that. Yeah, yeah. Dan the man. Dan the um, man. Anyways, he came out and said that with their waiver pick, because they're number one in the waiver pick, they're not going to go ahead and pick up OBJ. They're not picking that guy up either. Though. That was going to be my Get question. Do you see any value in a player like Absolutely OBJ? Is he not. washed? Is he done? Uh, Should the Dolphins be wasted knowing think, that there's a seven and a half million dollar price tag on it? In my opinion, in my opinion, for the money that he costs, he's washed. Right? If you're telling me you're getting this guy for two, five, three million dollars, maybe even four, two to four, you're giving yeah. him that money for one year? Yeah, all right, go do it. Because the impact, right? Like to give you the the example, <clears throat> Von Miller, he got traded, right? Yep. And Los Angeles has to pick up the $9 million price tag. Right. That $9 million ain't shit when you look at the type of player that Von Miller is and the type of impact that that guy's going to have on your defense. But it's crazy to think that the Rams, with the defense that they have, need to add another player like that. That's just what stronger teams do, though. They, they get just, stronger. And they just lost last night. Yeah. But, and and it upset. But now, at least Von Miller, you know what I'm saying? He's going to play well defensively. He's going to raise the, the defensive level, right, on the squad instantly. Without the headache. OBJ, you know damn well he's going to be a headache. You know damn well he's going to be a headache. That was my concern. And, he's and, a distraction. And, and then right now, like, we don't, he, he, he wants to go, he said, to a contender. Dolphins are far from contending. And we, I feel like we don't need that. And there are very few contenders who will even take the risk on him to say, yeah, we want well, you in our locker room. I think the Raiders could use him. Yeah, the Raiders. But the Raiders have a fucking a crazy house in there, bro. You got a guy in rugs, driving drunk, crashing into people, killing people. You get this uh, the the other first round pick that they had, the cornerback, yep, you know, on IG with freaking guns, a, a bunch of machine guns and yeah. shit. Threatening fans that are trolling him. Come on, man. I mean, that place is a shit that show. Place a coach, is a, shit. a racist coach. Come on, dog. <laughs> that whole place is a shit Closeted show. So, yeah. Racist. so yeah, it makes sense that, that OBJ's like, yeah, I feel at home here in, Oka- <laughs> in Las Vegas. No doubt, bro. I bet you do. But I don't see him going to the Cardinals. I just figured out. I don't see him going to the Packers. You know, we got the second pick in the waiver pickup. So nah, he's not I, worth it. I don't know if at this point he's not worth it. He's not worth that, it, man. So. He's not worth it, man. And look, and, and, and to be honest, is it really going to help us here? Because we nah. don't even have a quarterback nah. right now. You know what I mean? Like we're we're struggling in that department. But and know, now we and now we have name. a quick turnaround. Yeah, a big name. So but that's why I had to bring it up. You know, I know he's out there. Dolphins. He'll get position. signed. Obviously, you know what I'm saying. He's going to get signed, but I don't know if it's going to be a good fit for whoever gets that guy. Yep. And and now the Dolphins, you know, to bring it back to them, they even have a short week. So like, yeah, you're going to pick up OBJ and like have a game on Thursday night where you're not even going to be able to play him. Because it's so soon, it's like, nah, you don't do that, man. And and, and look, these guys, these guys need a, a bye week in the worst way, dog. And we need to get out of this <laughs> as healthy as possible. Because I don't know if Tua's gonna play on Thursday, right? If his if his finger was messed up enough to him not throw Sunday, I don't know how it's gonna get that much better in three days, four days for him to throw again against a defense that's much better than the Houston Texans defense. So. We have a lot of questions there at quarterback. Uh, thankfully, it's a it's a home game where we don't have to travel, so all these guys get to stay home for these three days. But but even still, it's like a too quick of a turnaround. You know what I mean? It's too quick of a turnaround. I don't know if if we're gonna look good that game, bro. To be honest, I mean, it really depends on. I don't even think you've mentioned who we're playing that game. We're playing in Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, at which, home. You know, our last playoff 
appearance that we had, we were knocked out by the Ravens. They Not always, knocked out. Give them their respect. They whooped our ass, though. Okay. I mean, but I mean, same deal. Whatever. You same know, difference. They whooped our ass. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's a team that always has our number. They got, you know, uh, the an MVP on their team in Lamar Jackson. Uh, they just came back and, and and won against the Vikings in yes, a crazy four game. four comeback wins this year. Yeah, I mean, you know, the kid's a stud, man. So it's that's, that's going to be a tough game in its own right there. Um, but... You know, even though this last win from the Dolphins was a little lackluster, there was another Miami football team that had a, a little bit more impressive win. Thank you, baby Jesus. And I'd rather talk about them, frankly, right now. Because they're, they're literally, um, like, surpassing my expectations for what I had for the rest of the season. If we can go back, for like, sure. a couple of weeks ago, what I thought was going to happen, this is a completely different Miami Hurricanes team. For so. sure, for sure. And we're talking about the, you know, a, a good Hurricanes team. Well, not a good Hurricanes team. Showing out to be a good Hurricanes team who got There's another. Promise. There's promise There's now. a lot of talent there, a lot of talent there. And they ended up getting the win against Georgia Tech, 33-30, to and had to really fight for that win. And we wondered if there was going to be that, that drop-off where it's like, damn, you know, they just had two big wins against ranked opponents. This could be a trap game before they play FSU because, like, you're focused so much on beating FSU. But these guys really went out there and were focused against Georgia Tech, came out to a strong lead, and, you know, were ultimately in it for the entire game. And when it came down to who had the better defense or who could make them more defensive plays, it was the Hurricanes. Um, they had two safeties. Both of those guys, last name Williams, <laughs> funny enough, had two, had two interceptions, and both of those interceptions were pretty big. Um, uh, what's this dude's name? I keep forgetting. Jalen Knighton had a great game. He had 32 carries for 162 yards. I, I don't remember the last time a, a, a UM quarterback, a running back, had 32 carries in a game, let alone 162 yards. Tyler Van Dyke, what, what more can we say about this kid besides Pro- that he's the freaking truth? Probably the 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 most promising Man. players, individual player that the, that the Hurricanes are showing out right now. And I mean, go go figure. You know the way that that it all happened. You know this was supposed to be Derek King's year, and now we're looking at the future. And 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 it sucks, right? But it's like I said a couple of episodes ago that that injury probably was the blessing in disguise for both of those guys. You know what I mean? Because it allows Derrick Henry to really focus on his career and what he has moving forward. And it also wait, gives Tyler Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry. King. I, don't know why I, <laughs> I was like, Derrick wait, Derrick Henry. Henry? Who's also the king of, of running back. <laughs> um, but Derrick King it really gives him an opportunity to focus on his future in the NFL and gives Tyler Van Dyke the chance to show what he has. And, bro, ever since he's played, he's been showing out. This is another 380-something yard game that this guy puts up. This is not a fluke. Right. This is not a quarterback who's just picking on whatever opponents. No, this is a guy who knows how to throw the ball, put his receivers in positions to make plays for him, and do it consistently. This, this game was a, a real tough game, and he has zero turnovers, zero INTs. That's so big for a young quarterback who's, who's just even getting the hang of being a starting quarterback at a collegiate level. And mind you, he's doing it against good opponents when we need him to win games. Believe it or not, the, the Hurricanes need to win these games that they have coming up just for the simple fact that they need to, quote, unquote, save their season, right? And and the, the performances that Tyler Van Dyke has been putting up has been one of a kind. And I'm really feeling confident about where this team is heading now because of his play. And again, we've talked about it before, that resiliency this team has that resiliency to really have Manny Diaz's back, man. <clears throat> Excuse me, sorry about that. Whoa, yeah, the, there's a there's a cough button. I've been here, a dog. little congested. I think it's his weather. 
I've been a little congested. My dog, hit the cough button. <laughs> um, no, man, it's it, he's he's making plays. You know when they need him to. Um, he uh, getting outside the pocket, man. He's he's moving around. I mean, he has to. He's forced to on a lot of these plays. But the moves, the the plays that he's making on the run, uh, I'm really impressed by that. By by such a young quarterback to see the accuracy and like the decision making, it's 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 just phenomenal, man. I, it's it's really impressive. Yeah. It's really impressive because he was highly touted. And even when when Derek King went down, it was like, well, I don't know how good. Is it going to be him? Is it going to be Jake? How do we know who's the better of the two? And now we know. I, no, there's no doubt about it. You know, And that's not to say that Jake's not ready. Um, he, he probably just isn't at that same level of understanding where Tyler Van Dyke is, right? Just for the simple fact that he's been in the program longer. But, man, he's really, really been impressive. And it kind of makes me wonder, like, damn, had we started the whole year with this guy? Like, where were we? What if? What if, right? Because he has 1,800 yards on the season, 15 touchdowns, four INTs, QB rating of 79.4. Albeit really good for somebody who's learning on the jo- on the go, yeah. pretty much. You know what I mean. <clears throat> and who came into a sinking ship? You know, he's, yeah. He's he's, he's 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 putting us back in in a position where it's like, hey, you know what? We can fight for the coastal. Yeah, the 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 hurricanes aren't irre- aren't as irrelevant as some people put them out to be early in the season because of a couple tough losses. Yeah, but I mean, it goes back to those two games, man. Because if you leave, you know that Bama loss, like we talked about last time, that Bama loss, that's understandable. They're number two still in the country. And uh, what was it, the Virginia? No. Yeah. No, the MSU, the Michigan State. Yeah, the Virginia one. And, Virginia and, U- and, and then the, the North, Carolina. North Carolina game. Those, those are the those two games dogs. right there, man, that if those two end up, because those were close games, those end up being wins instead of losses, and it puts the Hurricanes in a whole different a seven situation. 7-2 season. Right. So, but no, it's it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. And definitely, you know, Manny is is saving his ass with the way that he's coaching these kids. To your point, you know, you you know, you've said it on here. Those are his group of guys that he's letting fly now. Right. He had nothing to lose, and and now he's seeing the dividends. Absolutely, and and it's really been pay, paying off for him, bro. Three straight wins. He's really been competitive in the last five games. Has this team moving in a positive direction? As have, they have to go now into a tougher situation and go play in Tallahassee against a a, a pretty bad FSU team. But it's rivalry. Right? It's it's a rivalry. You know what I mean? So like it's a a different monster. Records don't count. It's like a divisional game in the NFL. It like nothing matters but this game. Right. Everything else you can throw away. It doesn't matter. You get back to that after this game. Yep. You know, everything about this game is going to be even keeled and it's going to be a tough battle for Manny Diaz and Tyler Van Dyke and the boys to go up there and get a dub. But I would honestly expect nothing less from these guys because like I said, they've really shown a lot of talent and a lot of heart in these past couple of weeks and I really feel like they're moving in the right direction. They're rolling. They're rolling. The are rolling right now and they're definitely uh i think they're going to want to put on a show in tallahassee three to traditional tough games left for the yep. for the hurricanes at fsu home against virginia tech away at duke normally tough teams that play the hurricanes those last two though they i think they just need to get through this florida state game which again florida state it's nothing i mean they're, they're nothing special this year but like yeah, you just said it's, FSU, it's a rivalry and this this means a lot to, to both of the programs both those schools right 
they got to get through this one. They get through this one, there's no reason why they can't end up on a five-game win streak to end up the season. Wholeheartedly agree, Or a six-game at that point, whatever it and, is. And honestly, you take it by in a game-by-game approach. Let's focus all this energy on FSU yep. this weekend and, and see what happens. I really predict the I'm, – I'm really predicting the Hurricanes to win because, again, I've been impressed with their performances. They haven't given up. They've been tested, and they've fought back and, and gotten leads. So I ain't mad at this Hurricanes team, bro. I ain't mad at this Hurricanes team. C-A-N-E-S. King. Let's go. Uh, well, I think we've ran through everything. Yeah, but, pretty uh, much it, man. I think we got to get into some some fighting action, bro. Some you want to go grab our, our guests? Let's go grab them. All right, we'll be right back. And we're back. And now we got the MMA homie Jesse joining us. Jesse, how are you, brother? How'd you enjoy the fights this weekend, man? Oh, man, I'm doing good, guys. It's good to be back. Um, this was a hell of a fight weekend, to be honest with you guys. I thought that was a great card all around. Starting from the early prelims all the way to the main card, I feel like we got a lot to talk about. I agree with you, man. Let's let's start with some of the prelims, bro. Um, UFC 268, I think, was one of the most stacked cards I've seen in a long time. Joel, I don't know what you think. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. There was so much talent, top to bottom. You know, we had two main events. Uh, in, two in not, both, belts on the line, yeah. Yeah, and then two different, you know, uh, how do I put it, genders. I mean, we had two top females ranked in the world going at it for their rematch and then the two top males in their division with the rematch i mean it was it was it was awesome man it was amazing um jesse what was your favorite prelim fight from that evening um so man if we're talking from the early prelims i really like that gian viante versus chris barnett fight uh where i don't know if you guys got to catch it but it was like a spinning hook kick uh, probably the first time I've seen a heavyweight throw that yeah, and land it. The chubby dude, right? Was <laughs> that was yeah, like dancing and shit. He was like crumping afterwards. What's crazy is how he did that yeah. flip and landed on it. And I was like, bro, that's probably a little bit more impressive than that kick. But yeah, that, that spinning kick to the back of the head is not an easy kick to pull no. off, bro. And with that size, I mean, that guy, you look at that guy, you wouldn't be able to think he could do something like that. Not one bit. Not one bit. Actually, I've seen him fight before and I, I wasn't expecting him to throw that many high kicks but he threw a couple earlier in the fight it's just that one was that one sealed the deal for him it's pretty pretty cool way to to get a win oh yeah that was a good one i like that guy's energy man he was super pumped you know coming into the octagon and when he won he he, he celebrated let everybody know he, how happy he was yep 100 percent, man that was awesome that was awesome to see that was a that was a real badass knockout though not even gonna lie and in the prelims, we saw, for me, you know me, I'm always looking at my Brazilians. I saw Alex Pereira. Uh, he got a nice little flying knee knockout over Andres. I can't say his last name, but he's from Greece. <clears throat> and, and, that, and that was an, one of the impressive knockouts because, as we know, we like us some flying knees down here in South Florida um, with from Masvidal's experience. But what would you think of that fight? Yeah, I mean, look, Pereira is, uh, is you know, one of these guys that's had a long kick career in kickboxing. You know, he's he's one of the guys, well, I'd say the only guy that ever KO'd Ro uh, Adesanya, the current champ, at the, you know, in the middleweight. So, um, pretty pretty crazy debut to be able to get a win like that with all the hype and, you know, all the expectations. Uh, I, I've seen him fight before. He's a good, you know, he has a good counter, good left hook. Uh, but that flying knee, man, jeez. And it was a switch knee. It was a, it was a knee where it came, came up with the right but ended up making contact with the left. Um, so that was awesome, man. I thought that was one of the coolest knockouts of the night. He got the the bonus for it, so that's a big debut right there. Did he he won knockout of the night on that one? I believe he got performance of the night. There was four people that got it, and I think he was one of the ones that got. 
paid on that one. Yeah, that was a that was a nice finish there, Jesse. I don't know if you if you saw this on on Instagram, but I I saw this like the next day after the event had happened. Um, Joel, I'm interested to see what you think of this as well. This this UFC card had the most combined significant strikes landed. 1,973 strikes, bro. And that's not including, like, little baby jabs. No, we're talking about power strikes, man. <clears throat> well, that's because there was some brawls on this card, man. I mean, one, now that you just said that, one one fight that I think of automatically is that, that Gaethje-Chandler fight. What a brawl, dude. <laughs> Insane. I mean, I don't. I, I really thought Michael Chandler was gonna. I mean, he was gonna get KO'd the way that Gaethje was coming at him, but he just kept eating those shots over and over again, and they, those guys went the distance too. Yep. Yeah, I would say to a rare form of two granite chins in the octagon. Uh, there was a lot of significant strikes that came out of that fight, but I will say something that's really hard to follow up on that fight, especially after seeing you know two Spartan warriors there going at it in the middle of the cage, you know. Not backing down, you know, first one to take a, a takedown shows you the other person is probably superior in striking. Um, but the one thing that stood out for me as well in that main card was that uh, Shane Burgos and, and Quarantillo fight to follow up that fight. That was another fight that had a ton of significant strikes and, you know, two guys that, that didn't want to back down. So really good follow up fight for that intro main card. Yeah, I agree, bro. And, and, when you mentioned that second fight between Shane Burgos and Billy Quarantillo, um, you can tell that both of those fights, fighters, like you said, they didn't want to give an inch. And we saw both that fight and the Michael Chandler uh, Gaethje fight go to the decisions. So none of those guys were willing to will. You even saw like Michael Chandler walking uh, Gaethje down a couple of times. Where he was just like, bro, I'm here to take all of the abuse that you're willing to give me and keep moving forward. That Like both of those guys were insane when it came to that fight. Shane showed a lot of heart, actually, because I felt like he got rocked early on and it was like, not necessarily rocked, but he got stunned and it was like, well, is he going to be able to bounce back and carry it throughout the rest of the rounds? And he just beat a really good fighter in Billy. Because yeah, Billy's now 16 and 4, but, you know, imagine you're, you're 16 and 3 as an MMA professional. That's a pretty badass record. Very similar fighters. Very similar fighters in the same weight class. They've actually fought in the same cards. Probably in the last three fights, they've been on the same card, and I always thought to myself, like, these guys are going to you know, cross paths at one point, and they're so similar in their striking. I, I found Corlin Tiller to be more technical with his striking, didn't carry as much muscle, but was just a little quicker. And then Shane Burgos, you know, basically a bull in there, so he comes straight forward, and he's a, he's a heavy guy. I mean, he's probably one of the biggest guys I've ever seen fight at 145. I don't know how that guy weighs 145 pounds. Um, but he's a he's a beast in that weight class, and I, I've always told myself when I saw their first three fights, them two, I got those like future championship vibes from both of them. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know a few years you see those guys top five. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? I'm glad you mentioned top five because we saw another guy who was in that top five in uh, you know for a really long time in Frankie Edgar. This guy's been holding oh on, goodness. holding on to that torch of I'm still a fighter. He loses to Marlon Vera, who's an assassin, gets knocked <laughs> out. I think I really hope that this was the last time that we see Frankie Edgar in the ring as a as Dude, a fighter. Probably the funniest still image I've seen all year <laughs> is the picture of him getting kicked in the chin. Have you guys seen this picture going around? No, I haven't seen it yet. We're, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna I'm gonna have to pull this up for you. Go ahead, go ahead, Jess. <laughs> oh man, I'm a I'm a long time Edgar fan. I mean, he's put on some brutal wars. I believe that he has the most octagon time in the cage of all time. 
So he, you know, a lot of his fights go to decision, and a lot of them have been five rounders. This particular fight didn't see it going in that way. I, I honestly thought Edgar was going to be able to put it to him, but man, Chico Vera looks sharp. I mean, one of three front kicks to the face KOs in the UFC is pretty big deal. Uh, the other two were Vito Belfort and and uh, I'm sorry, uh, Randy Couture and, and Lyoto Machida that landed those strikes and Anderson Silva. So actually, that's four. Yeah. Um, but wow, man, just an incredible strike to end the fight, to end the former champ. Uh, I don't know how Edgar's going to bounce back from that, but yeah, that that one was uh, that one might might end his career there. I agree with you, uh, Soso. Baba, I'm looking at the picture right now. I'm showing it to Soso. <laughs> it's rough. He doesn't even look. He looks like a Halloween mask. You know, fake. like when you go when you go to Party City, like the day of Halloween, to go get a costume, and there's absolutely nothing, <laughs> and then there's this one weird massive, like an old guy. That's that, like him. the bottom half of the mouth is missing. Like, it, bro, it's it's weird. It's you guys got to check out this picture. <laughs> Just it's, look up Frankie Edgar. It's, <laughs> it's rough. It. It's rough. <laughs> It's rough. And, and and you know what? Something to, to to add to your point there, Jesse. You know, you mentioned something about Vera, uh, Kiko Vera. We've seen him. He's a UFC veteran. You know what I mean? And we've seen him have some success and then always, like, stumble a little bit, right? This was one of the few times where you see, where you saw him fully focused for war, right? Without the hyped-up antics, without the, like, you know, going crazy. He was just, like, super focused, and it almost looked like he was there to be real professional about his job. And I think that's why he ended up coming out with that type of knockout victory. Man, I can't agree with you more. Um, you know, when I first saw him walk into the gate in the cage, he looked very focused. Um, he looked in shape. He looked obviously, you know, Edgar's a smaller guy, but he looked much bigger, probably a lot more dense than, than, uh, Frankie Edgar. Um, so man, you know, coming off a couple different losses in, in Frankie's last couple fights to lose like that is pretty bad. But man, I give so much props to, to, to Chido Vera because I thought, you know, that one was going to be a, a little bit tough of, uh, of a comeback for him to be able to beat him in that fashion. It's pretty incredible. I agree, man. I agree. Let's, let's talk about the, the probably what would have been fight of the night had it not been for the main event between Rose, Thug Rose, Nama Juniors and Zhang Weili from China. That was honestly one of the best women's fight I've ever seen in my life. And even though it didn't have a knockout or anything like that, it was a, a real, MMA exhibition, yeah. right? Where you saw stand up, you saw wrestling, you saw some type, some escapes. form of grappling, you saw <clears throat> escapes, you saw people trying to go for for chokes, like you saw it all in that fight, and it was just amazing. And obviously, Thug came out as a champ, as I thought she deserved to come out. Yeah, I, I, I thought. I mean, I, I was going for Thug Rose. But the problem is, I mean, it was a phenomenal fight, right? It was a phenomenal fight. But if you saw the first fight between these two with the epic way that it ended, it's like this fight was you, – you were hoping for that all the way until the end with, with Thug Rose to do something in, in, in some form or fashion. But that just shows you how you know how great Weili Zhang is in, in her own right and how, how much of a competitor she is. She wasn't going to go out that way. She learned from that last fight. And, you know, in the end it didn't go her way, but I thought she put up a hell of a fight. And that, that ended up being a, a crazy performance from the both of them. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I would say this, too. Like, it's rare that you see male or female fighters both at the same time with all the stakes, you know, at hand. Both of them take a leap in their game and, and kind of meet at the top. And usually you'll see somebody kind of take a jump and somebody, somebody fall short. And we saw with Masvidal when he fought the second time with a full camp, you know, didn't make it past the second or third round right. as opposed to doing six-day cut and then you know obviously getting much better results but um you know i thought it was really cool to see both of them in a really close nail biter 
Uh, I think everybody was at the edge of their seat in the fifth round, just waiting to see, like, all right, well, this it comes down to this, right? It felt like a 2-2. It felt like a possible draw. Um, and I give so much props to, to uh, Thug Rose for, you know, really putting the game plan together, like you said. So, so I mean, you know, you got you to gotta think outside the box and you got to be in a position where you, you have to identify what to do next. And that takedown was just the perfect thing to seal that that and take it away from the trilogy, right? Because if, if it would end up in the draw or if it would have ended up in a really, really controversial fifth round, I think they might have redone that fight again just because, I mean, it was a good fight. Absolutely. Uh, but prop, props to, to Wei Lee too, man. She's come, she's come out of three. Her last three fights have been three battles. I mean, she fought Joanna. You know, that was a, probably the most memorable fight for me uh, in, in women's history, to be honest with you. And then she has another, you know, great two fights with, with Rose. Uh, obviously, she fell short for the first one, but she was on a 21-fight win streak when she lost to Rose the first time. So, now, now that you brought that up, was that fight that against Joanna, was that Joanna's last fight in, in the UFC? No, I don't think so. She bounced back and had one more fight, and I think she's in the top right five. Right now, she's not ranked. They took her off the world ranking a couple uh, weeks ago. It could be an issue with and the it, UFC. It's been a while since she's fought, so I'm trying to think if that was a fight. That was a fight just against Whaley. That's the one where her whole face was, like, welted, right? That, like, she just swel- like swelled up. Yeah, she looked like the guy from the Goonie. Yep, yep, yep. The Goonie. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that, was, that was such a good fight, dude. That was an amazing fight. And and look, kind of like what both of you guys said, right? Um, Joel had mentioned, like, damn, you know, with the way that the first fight ended, you kind of expected the second fight to go a different way. But maybe the fight should have been reversed, right, where we get that five five round war in the beginning like we got this past weekend and right then finish it with and this, then you the get the second fight with the crazy knockout but e- either way like jesse was saying like you got to give both of these women's credit because 100%. they both changed their game plans complete not completely but they both you could tell that they both pin- pin- pinpointed the weaknesses that they had in their game and went to attack it because uh way lee was really hurting uh thug rose legs like she was Kicking her consistently in her legs and just keeping her off balance, keeping her off balance where she can let off some strikes and try to get her, you know, either to back up or, or gain some ground in order to get a takedown. Um, and man, it was such a, a, a chess boxing match, I felt like, yeah. between those two women, man. And it was amazing. No, it was absolutely a perfect appetizer for ultimately the main event of the night. Yeah, and, bro. Uh, we should just get right into that one. Let's talk about it, man. Um, Jesse, you're the guest. Tell me how you saw Usman Covington part two coming into this matchup. So based off of the first fight, you know, obviously that was the, the most competition Usman has faced in the octagon, at least in my opinion. Uh, so I knew, you know, Kobe having a year off, a year of thinking, a year of planning, a year of training, uh, but also a year of ring rust, right? So there's a, there's a lot of uh, factors, a combination of factors there. Uh, I thought that that one-year layoff is not good against a cardio machine like Usman. I don't care how good you are. He's the second best in that uh, weight class probably right now, I would say. And even probably in the future, he'll still stick around as, as one of the best in the top five. Um, I just, you know, I saw Usman coming up with his hand raised at the end. I didn't think it was going to go at, uh, five rounds after seeing him knock him down twice. But man, Kobe Covington is just a beast, man. He's, he's a, he's a cardio machine. Uh, you know, very mirror, uh, mirror-like as well as uh, Usman. But Usman is just, you know, he's on another level, man. I think this is one of those guys that could potentially retire undefeated. Uh, I, I think he's going to shatter a lot of GSP's, uh, you know, records and numbers, although GSP faced a whole another level of comp- competition. But, I mean, when you're going around 
cleaning out the division for the second time, you're you're pretty special. Yeah, that's kind of how I see it. For sure, and and look, Dana said it in the press conference after the fight. He's like, this guy's fighting for, to be like the greatest of all time. And I forget about it, even in his division, you know, he's just trying to be the greatest of all time because it's like you said, he's he's doing things that are kind of unprecedented in the UFC, which you would think about and be like, well, you know, plenty of guys have been multiple time champs and all this stuff, but the way, like you said, he's gone around the whole carousel pretty much two times, wiped out everybody who you thought could have whooped his ass and beat them. Like not only beat them physically, right? He also beat them at their game, right? He stood up against Masvidal. He wrestled against guys that he sh- wasn't going to wrestle. He played that game with Covington and ended up coming out on top. Like he's done everything to their to their game plan and still beat them and come out on top. For him to have so many consecutive defenses at that particular weight class where there's a lot of good fighters, a lot of real killers, man, it just speaks to how badass Usman is, man. Yeah, man. I want to add one more thing, too, as well. Uh, I'll tell you, one thing that I really like about Usman is that he listens to his corner. Mm. He he does not go based off of what he feels autopilot, and I feel like that was the difference between Kobe Covington and, and Usman. Usman is, is you know, tunnel-focused with what his corner is relaying to him, and Kobe Covington in his previous fights, you know, kind of derails from the plan and and basically accepts, like, I'm going to know what's best for me in the cage in this particular moment. And, you know, everything goes out the door with, with the corner. Uh, but you, when you're a fighter, you also have to think there's a third-person perspective. And that third-person perspective is an advantage. So when you have somebody that is at the caliber of his coaches giving you out directions and you kind of push them away, that, you know, that tells me there's a difference. There's a disconnect in his camp. I'm not saying that's the case in this fight, but I, I did see... And here, just Usman, man, anything that came his way, he makes a lot of adjustments. Uh, you know, he's worked on his jab like Trevor Whitman asked him to in the last couple of years, and he's been drilling that jab just like GSP did in that weight class before him. So I think he's good at taking those blueprints and, you know, making them his own and getting a little bit better every fight. And that's what we've seen for 15 consecutive fights. Usman was great in the beginning, but he's just reaching another status now. For sure. And, and you know, you, you mentioned Trevor Whitman and how Usman has been able to kind of go back to the drawing board since he got with Trevor. And it, it's so apparent that those guys have that relationship at, at such a level where they can communicate even within a fight and say, all right, look, this isn't working out for us. Let's try this. Or I'm seeing this. Let's try to attack him this way. And those little adjustments is what keeps giving Usman edges in the fight you know throughout the rounds and because it's not a question of his stamina right we all know how he's world-class when it comes to that um but it's just how he's able to adjust and and that that in itself makes him extremely deadly as a fighter man and we saw it on 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 performance tonight because he he whooped up on colby and really took it to him for those five rounds and ended up being the better man and won decisively you know now he gets to chill and and sit back and say what else do you have for me while the rest of the division tries to figure out who fights who and whatnot because we had i know you're gonna bring it up go ahead joel well i mean i'm just that's what i wanted to ask jesse so you know covington's the, the you know in that welterweight division you got covington who's the the number one uh, contender to, to Usman and you've seen two fights already and they've been the same exact outcome uh, after that you have Gilbert Burns sitting at number two which we've seen what <laughs> what happened with Gilbert Burns uh, you know last year against against uh, Usman and after him is a guy that I'm more interested in seeing fight Usman and Leon Edwards 
So I, I don't know, you know, Leon Edwards doesn't have that draw, you know, I, you know, the Brazilians always do. So do you rematch? Do you go Gilbert Burns rematch? Do you go Usman Burns too? Or do you start fresh with uh, Leon Edwards? What do you think, Jess? So, Joel, I will tell you this. Well, uh, we got Leon Edwards fighting Mazadal December 11th. Yep. Um, so that fight has to shake out and see what happens there. Um, I think Leon Edwards deserves a title shot. You know, he doesn't have a big draw. <clears throat> he's not a you know a guy that draws in all the fans and you know sells all the tickets and all the merch, but he is a guy that's on a long streak. The really like we talked about it, we talked about it last time on the on the podcast that uh, you know what took the wind out of his win was you know that Nate Diaz fifth round uh, Stockton slap left hand down the middle crack you know kind of took the wind out of his win because you know. There's a lot of guys, like you said, that that weight class is so competitive that you have to win decisively, decisively, or you got to win, you know, and finish the fight. Um, but I still think that if he does get, if he wins Masvidal, I think um, I think he deserves a title shot. And I think if Masvidal wins, he should fight Kobe next because I, you know, he has those two losses back to back, so he has to fight, you know, Leon, beat Leon, and and fight Covington and then beat him in order to get that third shot at Usman. So, not I mean, only look, beat him, but like I, beat him decisively, right? Like I feel like Masvidal would have to knock out not maybe not necessarily Edwards, but definitely have to knock out potential Colby if they were able to fight because Colby actually called him out after the press conference too. He was like, "Yeah, you know, I feel like I, you guys talk a lot about George. I'm down to fight George. There's a lot of history there and whatnot. We can fight in Miami. Uh, we can get all that bad, bad blood out of the way and just you know." Go do that. So I feel like within that division, kind of like what you were alluding to, Jesse, those guys are playing the let's eliminate contenders game, right, between themselves because they all know who's the champ. And they're all just trying to figure out within themselves, like, who's going to take the next shot at the champ. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like I said, there you know, you got Stephen Thompson in there. You got Vicente Luque, Michael Chiesa's in the mix, Neil Magny. I mean, they got uh, even Hamza Chimas. He's probably a couple fights away, but, I mean, he has some – up-and-coming guys that, you know, really the only one guy that he hasn't fought in that division uh, in terms of Kamar Usman is, is uh, Stefan Thompson and, and Michael Chiesa, which they haven't done enough to jump Agreed. You know, the hordes. I think uh, Vicente Luque, Leon Edwards, I like it. I like those two fights. Those are, those are you know, Vicente Luque is a big power puncher. I think he has a pretty good shot at, uh, you know, landing those big power punches. You saw what Gilbert Burns did with the first punch in their fight, you know, knocked him down. Yep. I think that was pretty shocking. Um, so we'll see, man. I think, um, I think, like you said, I, I definitely agree with you. So, so I think they have to win decisively or finish the fight in order to, to, to jump a couple guys. If not, you know, they, they're going to have to string in a, a win streak to get back up there. Absolutely, bro. Well, at least we know that we have some some real MMA clout guy that we can talk to who who brings that deeper knowledge of MMA and and what's going on in that world of not only UFC but Bellator and all that other stuff where where we know about fighting and you know about fighting and it's amazing that we can talk about it, brother. Same as well, brother. I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, it's always fun, man. It's, this is uh, this is always a good time. So uh, maybe the third time's a, a good uh, a charm. Good luck charm for me. Maybe I'll be in the studio next time. You know what? I was I'm gonna I was gonna tell Joel, but we're gonna link up where we can watch that fight together. That next UFC, the, the December fight. We'll maybe. watch the Masvidal. We'll get together. We'll chill, watch it, and then we'll have you on on Monday. And we can talk all about it, brother. How does that sound? That sounds great, man. I like it. I like it. Let's do it. We'll we'll link up next time, Jesse Doc. Thank you for joining us, man. Appreciate you, Jess. I'll let you later, brother. 
Same guys. Same as always, man. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Take care. You got it, man. Peace. That was the homie Jesse. Shout out to him for always joining us. Always. That guy knows his That's, MMA. That guy knows his, his he, MMA. Bro. He knows his he MMA. He knows UFC. He knows fighting. I mean, he he's a he's a he's a junkie, man. He's a he's just he he loves that. He loves like going to fights. He just loves keeping up with it the same way that we do. You know, we're we're more of the casual fan. This guy's he's, deep. he's a seasoned he's avid deep. fan. He's yeah, deep. he's been he's following deep. UFC for a long time. So he's deep. He's our go to anytime we have any UFC talk. Love to have him on the show. Hopefully we get him in the studio next no time. No doubt, so. no doubt, man. But before we head out of here dog I, I have to give a quick shout out to canelo um he won his boxing match over the weekend they were going head to head with ufc um against caleb plant who was a worthy contender bro these guys put all their belts on the line um canelo is now the undisputed champ um you know i gotta give a shout out to canelo because what he has done and continues to do in the sport of boxing forget as a mexican just as a boxer this guy has achieved so much and has won damn near everything that he's been in, okay, where the only thing that you can point at as a negative is a loss to probably one of the other greatest fighters of all time in Floyd Mayweather, which, might I add, came when Canelo was a very, very young man. So I'm pretty sure had that fight happened when Canelo was a little bit older a season, we probably would have got a, a different um, result. But, again... He knocks out Caleb Plant for the and becomes the super middleweight champ, undisputed. Has all the belts in that division. Man, Canelo is is Impressive. an amazing, amazing fighter, Impressive. bro. And and I'm so glad that that we get to see him in his prime because he's like I said, man. He's faced everybody. Like people are talking about him fighting Triple G at 168 or fighting you know so and so at 154, and I'm like. Bro, you could put whoever you want yeah. in front of this guy right now, Nobody and they're going to lose. Canelo right now. They're going to lose. He's in his prime. Because Caleb Plant ain't no joke, dog. That guy's a real champ. He's going to be a real champ in that division. They went 11 you know rounds, man. And they, and he I hung. did not see that coming. I thought Canelo was going to take care of that a lot sooner. Listen, my our boy Vic, bro, he texted me on the side. He was like, listen, I'm, I think that you know Canelo might put him down in the ninth or eighth round. That's kind of what I was thinking. Right? And look, Caleb lasted all the way into the 11th, where he even had an exchange of words with Canelo, like, hey, not bad for 21-0, and 0, right? And they're freaking throwing jabs at each other. And Canelo's like, yeah. And Caleb Plant is telling him, yo, I really respect you, man, and your fight style and all that stuff. And he's like, Canelo's like, same. And Canelo the whole time keeping business, throwing jabs, punching. And this is in the middle of the fight. So both of these guys knew what was up. You know what I mean? Like, as far as the level that they were playing at, right, or or fighting at. And Caleb just had had to learn, you know, to take this lesson from a, a champ champ, and he's going to bounce back from this one day and, and really become a, a, a problem in that division. But ain't nobody seeing Canelo right now, bro. Ain't nobody seeing Canelo. So shout-out to Canelo, man, for, <laughs> nah, this for point, holding I'll, it down. Man. All we just need is, uh, is Jake Paul to fight Canelo. Yeah, so that somebody can whoop that kid up already. Yeah, well, he's gonna fight Tyson Fury's uh, second brother. It's or like whatever. his half brother. Half yeah, brother he's, he's, he's a Fury though. So hopefully that kid has it too. If not, we need Canelo to get in there and just show him what's up. Yeah, man. But shout out to Canelo, man. He's yeah, man. uh, is honestly, in my opinion, my favorite uh, my favorite boxer today. Shit, you wouldn't be wrong for that. But it's time to wrap up this show. Let's because get out of here, man. We're heat over. time, baby. It's time for the heat. Let's go, man. You know what to do, so. Yeah, man. We got to tell everybody to follow us on social media. That's Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. YouTube. Um, go check out YouTube. the last couple videos we got up there, man. Hit that like and drop a comment. We're dropping videos for you guys. We're dropping content all on social media. And we're going to be dropping that merch, too, 
on social media. So make sure you guys are following the team, all right? My dog's rocking it right now, okay? And more importantly, you need to tell a friend. To tell a friend. To tell another friend. To tell one more friend. About this amazing podcast and how to follow us on social media and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's that simple, folks. It's that simple. simple. Click below. There's going to be a subscribe thingy here. Click that. It's going to take you to the YouTube page, and you can go ahead and subscribe and be a part of the show that way. Until next time, y'all. Peace. Peace.